0: Welcome to Motherhood Exposed. Join me, Zoe Cresswell, mum of two and a UK-trained midwife and doula, as I meet with an array of amazing women navigating life and motherhood. Since becoming a mum for the second time, after my own complex journey, I've become more and more aware that motherhood is so unique. There's no one story the same, and women need support now more than ever. I hope by allowing mothers to openly speak out, we can help to break the silence around many topics. We need to shout out that there is no normal, and that is something we need to embrace. Motherhood isn't always picture perfect, so let's bust some myths, realign expectations, and share the journey together. Hello. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking to Rachel Lyons from the Instagram account Our Lions Pride, and also one of the amazing women featured in Elle Wright's latest book, A Bump in the Road. Rachel talks me through the devastation of infertility before finding hope and belonging in adoption. Less than a year after starting the adoption process, Rachel was holding her baby daughter in her arms, a little girl who was giving her the life that she had always longed for. Keep listening to hear all about the journey that brought home her daughter, a special little girl born from her heart. Hi Rachel, how are you? (laughs) I'm very well, thank you. Thanks for having me. Oh, thank you so much for coming on. It's such a privilege to have you on. Um, I start my podcast, Rachel, with the same question um, every time, which is um, how you met your partner.
1: Oh, well, um, yeah, it's, well, I suppose it's a funny story in a way. <laughs> <laughs> um, we were both living <laughs> um, we Um, So we're both from the same town, but we were both living in different places in the country. I was living in London and he was living in Sheffield and we both came home for Christmas to see our families. And we both got um, mutual friends. So my best friend, her husband is best friends with him. And um, we went to a New Year's Eve party and uh, it was fancy dress and it was pirates. I can't even remember what the theme was really. Pirate, everyone was a pirate, so it must have been pirates. <laughs> and um, I went as uh, a good old pirate's wench and <laughs> was in full attire. Classy. I was really committed to the fancy dress theme. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and um, he did not. So he was in normal clothes and um, <laughs> caught his eye across the room and... Yeah, there was that 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 instant kind of attraction, I guess. And um, he hounded me that evening and wanted to talk to me and chat to me. And um, is that, is, the is cool that his version say, as well? Yeah. Does he, <laughs> he, does he, he agree with the hounding? The <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> he, he makes out it was the other way around, but it definitely wasn't. I've got witnesses. <laughs> um, and yeah, I guess I guess we just ended up. Having a chat, and um, I quite liked him. He made me laugh a lot, which is always um, a lovely thing. And then um, the next day, all our friends were going out for um, a big New Year's Day walk. So we went out for a walk. And how I don't really know, I guess it was that thing of like, well, we'll go out for lunch, just the two of us, and see if we liked each other. And um, we did. And then it was that thing of like, how are we going to make this work? Because I live in London and he's in Sheffield. So we spent a good sort of eight, nine months going up and down the M1 to each other. Oh, wow. um, and then, yeah, and then both decided that we'd come back to our hometown. And then we started our life together down down here. And then um, about a year later, he proposed. And then I was, I'm one of those people where I don't like to... Uh, have a long engagement so I was like right well when are we getting married to so six months later we were married and that was Yay. it so um yeah that's it in a nutshell basically <laughs> the I, rest I can, is history
0: I can beat you on that one I had a four-week relation um engagement so <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, oh well yeah you've definitely yeah. beat me on that one there
0: we go <laughs>
1: Kim-chi, Kim-chi. <laughs> and then um and when did
0: your uh
1: fertility journey start so We, I guess the biggest attraction about Nick um, was that he's a really family orientated guy and so am I and we're both very close to our families and family means everything to us and I absolutely loved that about him and we knew right from the get-go that, you know, we both wanted to be parents, we both wanted to have a family Um, and so we started trying naturally um just before we got married and I had a funny feeling it was going to take a while because um I've got a lengthy history surgical history with Crohn's disease Mm -hmm. and um although I'm very fit and well now um and, you know, forget I have it, to be honest. I'm not on any medication. I live my life very normally. Right. Um, but in my early 20s, that was a very, very different story for me. Um, when I was newly diagnosed, um, I had just moved to London and start my nursing career. And I just literally, as I was doing my final exams um, at uni, got, got diagnosed with Crohn's disease. And at the time, it was a relief because I'd been struggling for so long with stomach issues and not really knowing what was wrong with me and um <clears throat> I remember just feeling really relieved that I finally got a diagnosis mm-hmm. um and then it's kind of spiraled out of control and I guess where my life had changed and I'd moved to London um new stresses new lifestyle um I just hit a massive flare-up and it got it went from worse to kind of really extreme and I knew I had to do something about it so I contacted my surgeon back home and I said you know I I think now's the time I need to come in and and have surgery so came back home for a short while um had a right hemicolectomy um and you name it it went wrong (laughs) so um I I woke up and instantly knew yeah woke up and instantly knew things hadn't gone to plan um I had like an NG tube in. I had. I was just wired up to loads of things, and I just wasn't expecting to wake up in that state. Mm-hmm. So quickly realised that um, I'd been in surgery a lot longer. Um, the disease was a lot more progressed than they had anticipated. Um, and then postoperatively, hit some major complications. And um, yeah, I got. Um, I got. I, I got fistulas, and in the end, I ended up having three stoma bags connected to me at one point and um, all my surgical wounds opened and it was like that for a year and a half. And oh, wow. um, yeah, it was a really tough time of my life. Yeah, it was, it was, it was not an easy time. And um, I just always remember, even though I was only like 22 at the time, I always remember saying to my surgeon, even though it just wasn't something that I was even contemplating or or even thinking about because i wasn't at that stage of my life i'm not going to be able to have children and he you know he reassured me as much as he could and he just said you know there's no reason why this is going to stop you um but deep down i always i just always knew there was going to be an aspect of difficulty i just i just had that that gut feeling yeah. that my insides were not going to be the same as your average person because I'd had holes in my stomach for you know god knows how many months at a time and lots of complications so um when that time came to conceive um I wasn't I wasn't massively excited I don't think because I just I just I just kind of knew it was going to be a bit of a hardship and after about nine months of trying the anxiety about not conceiving um, was really get, getting to me because I just needed to know am I working am I actually you No, know, I was peeing on the sticks and I was getting all the positive ovulations but am I actually is it is it real is it working so I went to the doctors and um I had a lovely GP who was completely um, sympathetic to the fact that anxiety was really eating away at me because of my my medical history. And um, she agreed to run some tests on me, which obviously they normally make you wait kind of a year-ish, don't they? And everything came back fine. Um, My husband did um, a sperm sample and there was was a little bit of an issue with his. And the GP, uh, it was a bit of a traumatic time because the GP kind of portrayed the results was quite horrific to us and then once we spoke to a fertility expert they were like it's fine you know there's actually there's not not a great deal to worry about here we'll run another test and that one came back fine so we both knew we were working Mm -hmm. as such um but I do remember once we got referred to um, the IVF clinic, um, an IVF consultant saying to me, and it always it always really stayed heavy on my shoulders what he said. And he just said, "Imagine that your tubes are like a um, railway track, and you're going through a tunnel, so you can see the light at the other end, but." You just don't know what the track looks like. So, you don't know if you're able to sort of feed the train up there well. And he said, because of you, you know, because of all the surgery, because of everything you've had, you know, your railway track is probably a little bit off. And I remember instantly feeling that huge weight of responsibility and the pain that that created for me was oh, it was just, it was horrific. It was a really, really horrible time because I always felt like I was going to be the problem. And although you you never, you never ever as a couple blame each other. It's not, it's not about that. But you personally, you feel that responsibility. And I did really feel that responsibility. And I felt, you know, there was a time when I even was saying to my husband that, I don't want to stop you from having a family. I don't, you know, and, and I, I'm happy to let you go. Like, you know, and oh, you do, wow. because it, I loved him so much. I didn't want him to not, not have that journey of being a father. And um, it was, yeah, it was a really horrible, isolating, sad time. And although I'm completely over it now I will never forget it I will never forget how painful that was for both of us mm. um, and so although nothing ever came back that there was a, there was never a, a it was un, unknown infertility basically and mm-hmm. um, so the IVF journey began. And um, I remember the consultant sat there and she said to us, um, you know, This is a really exciting time for you. And I just remember wanting to say to her, Shut up. No, it's not. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? Like, this is not exciting. This is the worst thing ever. And I do remember her saying the words, infertility like you're know, infertile in, in and I remember thinking I'm not infertile I know I ovulate so my husband's sperm's okay so we're not infertile and I remember just desperately trying to find a reason like is this really what we have to do is this what we've got to do and it was what we had to do because it wasn't happening naturally so um yeah we we began the journey of IVF and all the drugs the injections hormones um and from our first well before we got to that actually there was there was some more complication because I had my HSG test um and the dye I reacted to and I got sepsis (laughs) so I ended up been really poorly you got from just even from having the dye. the dye
0: test. Oh my goodness.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I had sex this years ago when I had my all my complications with my Crohn's. And then yeah, I couldn't believe it was happening again. And I I had the dye test 24 hours later just became really unwell and the pain was absolutely excruciating in my abdomen. Oh, and I'd gone to work. I you know I'd carried on as normal. I was I was at work as a nurse and um yeah, this pain was really bad. And um, I got blue lighted to hospital. And yeah, within an hour of arriving, I was on the sepsis pathway of um, oh, wow. yeah, IV antibiotics and whatnot. Yeah, so that was that was pretty horrible. And I remember thinking, Oh, God, like, is this going to affect my fertility even more now? Because yeah. um, there was some free fluid in the abdomen. And, you know, it was just, all. Oh, I just felt like, God, give me a break. It was just like, I didn't want to be in that situation again, like with abdo issues, mm-hmm. um, and got over that spell. And then about another year later, I would say so we, we'd had our first round, we'd had our first round of IVF, which suddenly had worked. And then I was getting this awful pain in my back on my left side. And, um, just didn't really know what was causing the pain. And I I was really scared to kind of do something about it because I thought, oh, if this is going to mean surgery, then that's that's even worse for wanting to have a baby. But then if it wasn't right, then it needed to be fixed. So ended up being referred to um, surgical team again and I had um, adhesions from all my surgery years ago and it was all pulling on my organs causing the pain on my left side so ended up going into hospital having an adhesion next to me and the, the the surgeon that I had um, I, I'd approached a couple and it was really difficult because no one really wanted to touch me because of my surgical history oh, wow. and Managed to find a really, yeah, man, man, they just kept saying, you know, like, oh, it's just if you go in and sort adhesions out, you're then, you know, that you might need to have them sorted out again. and yeah. But I couldn't have carried on living with the pain that I had. So um, ended up this, meeting this amazing, lovely surgeon who was a gynecologist. So he said, oh, I'm going to have a look, a look at your tubes and everything whilst I'm in. So he had a look at my tubes. One of them was a little bit blocked, he said, and um, he unblocked it and he snipped it a little bit shorter, which then made me at risk of ectopic pregnancy. Um, But he, I remember waking up and he said, I know, and then he he woke up and he said to me, "Um, your chances of getting pregnant today are far better than they were yesterday, Rachel. So I want you to go away and keep trying naturally. And I remember that was the first time I felt excitement because I just thought he's been in there and he's seen it yeah. he'd actually see my inside, yeah. and he, he he's giving me hope here and I remember Nick picking me up and um we were in in the car on the way home and I remember us both getting really quite emotional because it was the first kind of bit of hope we'd really been given on the whole natural side of it and um Time went on. We still tried to conceive. Um, nothing sadly was happening. And we had one frozen embryo left. So I didn't really have any intention of really going for it um, IVF again. It just kind of got sprung on us because um, the clinic rang us. <laughs> and us in our true um, kind of not being very, it it's been over a year now, you need to use your embryo, basically. Otherwise, you need to decide if you want to keep it on freeze or you want to, you know, not not have it anymore. Yeah. And so uh, we just thought, hmm, suppose, suppose we just need to do it then, really, don't we? So we went through it again. Um, and sadly, yes, it didn't work again. And I think that's probably about two to- three weeks afterwards, I really, really hit like the lowest place I think mm-hmm. I've ever been. And I ever hope I'm ever, you know, in, in all the history of everything I've gone through <laughs> my surgery, um, that was a really low point for me. And I just thought, what next? Because I don't want to keep putting my body through this. I just physically couldn't do it anymore. I just, it, I found IVF really hard. I mm. found it hard emotionally, physically, mentally, Um, and I just knew, I just knew it wasn't the path I wanted to, I just, I could, you know, I'd read people's stories and I'm just completely in awe of people that are able to do it time and time again, because it's so grueling. It is so hard. And I just knew for me personally, that wasn't something I could, or I wanted to do, um, and how far and
0: down, where, where were you in terms of when you'd started trying, how many years down the line were you
1: now? So we started trying 2013 and we were then 2017. Okay. So four years. Yeah. Yeah. And I was just done. I was just done with it. I was exhausted yeah. and I think because there were just other aspects to the journey. It wasn't just, oh, two rounds pounds you did to work. There was other bits that kind of made it a more complicated journey, like there is with most people. It's never just a smooth ride, is it? Mm-hmm. And um I just remember saying to Nick, I can't I can't do it again. I just I can't I can't do it again. And I think. That was a really hard point because um, probably Nick probably could have done it again, I think, um, but we both knew we needed to just have a break from it all. Mm. Just needed to just not even be saying we're trying, um, and so that's what we did. But in that short spell, that time, I was really grieving. It was, it, but it wasn't just grief for. Um, The loss of the embryos. And because for me, that was the closest I'd ever been to being pregnant, and it always will be the closest. And for me, those that two-week wait, in my mind and in my heart, I was pregnant. I had those embryos. That's the first part of pregnancy. And um I lost those babies. And it, you know, it I get asked a lot, um, did you ever have a miscarriage? Like, did you ever get pregnant? And In a way, I want to say, well, yeah, I did, I did, I did because, um, you know, I, I made embryos from my husband and we worked really hard to make them. Um, mm-hmm. but it's so hard to explain that to someone that doesn't mm. understand that IVF journey. I think, um, um I think I a, lot have- of,
0: a lot of doctors as well say that, um, you know, we you are pregnant from the point those embryos go in, you, you yeah, be pregnant now, so yeah, so Absolutely. you were, and I think.
1: Yeah, and and I think when you go through the loss of them finding out that they've not, they've not stayed with you. Mm -hmm. um, I couldn't understand. I was just, I was just thinking, why does my body just keep failing me? Why, why does this keep happening? And why can't I do what my body should be able to naturally do? And I just felt this immense responsibility of it not working and the grief that I felt for those embryos that were no more. And, and, and I really, really did hit a rock bottom place and I knew I'd hit rock bottom and I had to say it out loud to someone. And I ended up just saying it at work one day, I just completely had a breakdown and, um, I'd asked for help from the GP as well, and the GP had said, "I'm going to refer you to the early early pregnancy loss bereavement counselling service." Mm-hmm. Um, and they they declined the referral because it wasn't what they classed as a pregnancy. Wow! So that that really hit me hard. That I that was like a personal yeah a, a, an attack almost yeah. because I just thought oh my god I'm asking for help here I'm I'm desperate for help I need to talk to someone and it did get to the point where um I did I just said to this girl at work I just said if I can't be a mum I don't think I want to carry on living I just I, I it's not even about pregnancy it's not I'm well over that it, I just I have this internal instinctual need. It's not even a I want, it's a I need to be a mum. And if I can't fulfill that, what what's my life? What 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 do I have? Because it's such an, a powerful need as as a woman that I just felt oh, it was just so it's even hard to put into words. Mm. And I remember after I'd said that I felt relieved that I said it out loud because it was scaring me that I had those thoughts in my head that, you know, I wasn't suicidal. I didn't have thoughts of like ending my life, but it was just so powerful that I was thinking, what's my purpose? And, you know, looking back, I had loads of purpose. You know, I had a, a, a wonderful job, a husband, family, so much love around me, amazing friends. Um, but so for some reason that just wasn't enough because it, all I learned for was that child to nurture and love mm-hmm. um and I think I accepted it I went for counselling I went on antidepressants and it was the best thing I could have done for me personally um, it got me through a really dark place I felt like at one point I was in this really massive hole and I was just desperately scrambling to try and get out. And I just, I just couldn't get myself out of it. And it just helped take the edge off that pain. Um, but everyone around me, everyone I knew was having babies because we we're at that age. Yeah. So Everyone around me was having babies and the pain was just, it was such a bittersweet feeling because you never want anyone to go through what you're going through. Um And you wouldn't wish it upon anybody. But at the same time, seeing their joy and their happiness, it honestly did feel like they were all in the club together. And I just would be like peering through the door at them and desperately longing to be in that club. And they'd let me in, it's fine, you know, I could go in. But being in there with them was actually really painful because they had everything I was dreaming of and longing for. And I kept it really private I didn't really share with anybody the journey so our big group of friends only a couple of them knew that we so they
0: they didn't know you were trying or anything
1: no so for a really long time it was oh we're not ready for it we just yeah no when the time's right we will try and then um I think probably they did know but were very respectful that you know it's not a subject to be talked about there are a couple of our friends in our group that have had IVF and um you know they got their miracles and but again had hardship and Mm -hmm. fully understood that IVF journey and that awful awful feeling of trying and not working and um I think probably (laughs) respectfully you know didn't want to ask and we also had other friends that had miscarriages and you know it's a painful subject and everybody's got their own story and um so we did we did keep it very private and I felt so isolated because I don't think there was this massive community I think this community that I've now stumbled upon and found is quite new I think it's I don't think it's been around as long as kind of I thought it had been actually. Um, And I wished I'd had something via social media um, that, you know, helped, like, I think, I hope I'm going to help others, um, because it it is such a terrifying, isolating place to be in. And um, so, yeah, it took a long time of grieving, really, to even catch up and be on the same page as my husband really because I knew it didn't matter for me how I became a mum I literally just knew I had to be a mum and I was very accepting of the fact that biologically it doesn't matter if that child's not mine um and I felt quite comfortable with that quite quickly um but Nick took longer, he did take longer. And um I do remember sitting with my best friend and saying to her, like oh, it worries me that he's not going to catch up and that we're not we're not gonna find ourselves on the same page because I feel adoption is like call- literally calling me. I feel like it's just where my heart's at and Nick wasn't quite there. And it really worried me because I thought what if, what, if, what if it doesn't happen what, what if we don't catch oh. up with each other what yeah and I just remember her saying he will you've just got to be patient you've just you've got to let him get through what he's going through and and she was right because we we did we you know I remember it clear as day we were out walking our dogs and um he just said yeah shall we start the ball rolling and I was just like yeah definitely and (laughs) um I I I said to him like you ring up and do like a bit of digging about what we have to do because I just thought if he is ready then I know Nick he'll he'll become really proactive because that's just Nick he's he's an organizer he's (laughs) we're totally opposite (laughs) I'm very much um I just follow suit really. (laughs) Um, and, but he's very good at organizing and, um, you know, getting, getting things in motion. And, um, the next day he rang up and Uh. found out what we needed to do. And then I got a phone call and it was so weird because he was like, there's an open evening tonight. Um, and they've said we can go. And I was like, Oh, okay. Well, that's, Quick, and, uh, because, yeah, but, and he was like, "But this is what's so weird. It's like it was literally two rays away from where we went to the church hall. <laughs> I was like, oh my god, that's so weird. And it just felt like it was meant to be yeah. because the next one was going to be like halfway across the county in a different area, like in a month's time. So it just felt like, oh, okay. So I think we're meant to go to this one then, <laughs> and." Um, Yeah, so we nervously went along to the first um, open evening and there were lots of other people there, lots of other couples and a couple came in and talked about their adoption journey and um, I just remember feeling super excited, like I felt like the only thing that was going to come from this whole experience was going to be something amazing and that was the first time I'd ever felt like that. I'd never felt like that really along the whole of our journey so this is and like the, was, the first
0: real hope you'd had in all of those years yeah
1: yeah absolutely and um although the information was a lot you know and they kind of give you the hard fact figures of like you know what adoption is and you know how uh, the the awful things that you know can happen to children and what leads them to being adopted it's heavy information and it is know it almost feels like they're separating the weak from the strong at that point because if you're not actually emotionally ready to do it then you definitely shouldn't um and I'm I'm grateful for that time that we had in between IVF and um starting places and I do get asked that question a lot by social media and I get a lot of messages saying how long did you have to wait how long were you told to wait um and we waited over a year but that wasn't wasn't really because we were told to it was because we needed to yeah you know you're 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 grieving and Mm -hmm. um you have to be the best version of yourselves to really go through that adoption journey because it's it's grueling you know and it has to be it has to be for all the right reasons and um they will know if you're not ready and um you know, it's it's important that you are just completely open and honest with yourself as, as, as much as it is the professionals guiding you through that journey. So, yeah, we went along to the um, information evening. We both came out and we were both kind of a bit speechless, really. It was just sort of – it was very surreal because it's just a lot of information yeah. to take. And um, it was amazing listening to the couple that had adopted their child – um, and then you had to register your interest and say that you wanted to go further with um, the process. And so a couple of days later, we just decided, well, yeah, we want to do it. So, you know, once we'd sort of absorbed all the information and, um, that was it within a couple of weeks, we were assigned a social worker and wow, it began, the journey began. That's quick. Yeah. Yeah it was quick it was I get asked that a lot as well like how long did it actually take Um, and the assessment process um, I think there's new like government guidelines because I think everyone's always quite shocked when they hear that it took you know under a year really from day of adoption open evening to having a child placed um, it was under a year and I think quite a few people are like oh that's that's god you hear of children you know it taking years um, but I think that's quite an old thing I think that's like you know years and years ago it may have been like that but I think now things have changed and they've had to change for you know these children that need to be placed to have their forever home yep. for them to be able to you know flourish and and you know be children in a safe forever home Um, so the assessment process kind of it has to I think they've got like a um a time a time span on it and it has to they have to get it done within six months so um yeah so we we were on the road what was the process like for you what was the (laughs) assessment process like I really enjoyed it I didn't find it um it's intrusive of course it's intrusive but I think we were really blessed with lovely social workers um, (laughs) that just you know will always be forever in our hearts um we had one um and then she um had my suspicions she was pregnant so she kept it very baggy she kept the clothes very baggy um and then yeah one day bless her she was like um You're going to be having another social work because I'm going on maternity leave, Um, and I was like, I knew it, I knew it. (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, But bless her, she managed to get us right up to um, panel date where we got approved as adopters. So that was amazing. She saw us to that point, and then we had another one take over from there, um, who was lovely as well. Both very different, um, but both equally just lovely, Um, and. It was, it was enjoyable. It just, it never felt horrible in any way. The only thing that really sticks in my mind as the hard bit was you go on, a, our local authority, you have to go on like a four-day adoption course um, where you meet other adop, adop, adoptees um, going through the journey and you learn all about, you know, harrowing things that no one ever really wants to hear but you need to be aware of it because you might be getting a child placed with you that's gone through a horrific ordeal and that that was quite hard Mm. um because it just was an eye-opener it was an eye-opener that things happen that shouldn't ever happen and it was draining very draining we would be exhausted at the end of the day Mm -hmm. um but we met lovely other people going through their journey and a couple of them were still in touch with um and yeah it was it was it was a really good four-day course but just heavy so that was probably the hardest bit really um and making the decision whether or not because we we knew we wanted. To have a young child and that's another thing I get asked a lot is like can you get a baby and you have to be really honest about what you want as what's right for you as a couple mm-hmm. they'll advise and say what they think is right for you but you have to be open and honest, and honest as well because if you're not one their search is massive because they're searching for any child of any age of you know of any you know literally their, their search will be huge. Um, so they have to be guided by what, you know, you want for your family, but also it has to be right for you and yeah. for the child. So you don't want that relationship to break down for any reason. So their, their matching skills, um, you know, it has to be, it has to be perfect. You know, they have to, they have to get it right for you and the child. So. Um, we knew that we wanted a young child, so we were approved for naught to two, um, and yeah, we 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 needed to make the decision whether or not we were going to also go to panel and be approved as not just adopters but um, for fostering to adopt as well, which is like an early permanence. Yeah. Um, and that was quite hard. After the four day course, that kind of was. It was a hard decision because all along we were very much like, yep, yeah, we're going to do that, we're going to do that, even though there are risks involved with that. Um, because whilst you're going through that fostering period, you may you may have to give your child back um, because you're actually fostering them. So, yeah. you know, there are risks involved. Um and the course kind of really opened our eyes a bit more to that. And I do remember us being like, well, maybe we don't want to do that then because you kind of heard the worst case scenario. Um, and, or oh, it was just, yeah, it was, that, that was a difficult time because mm-hmm. we had to really, really make the decision that if that was to happen to us, how would we feel because it's literally never about you. No. It is about that child. Yeah. And so after a long, hard think, we did decide, no, we're still going to do it. Because even if the worst case scenario happened and we had to give that child back, um, we've given that child a solid start. We've given them you know, somewhere safe. We've nurtured them. And so it, you have to just be completely and utterly focused on the child's journey um and it's not it's not about you so it's hard because obviously that's the ultimate goal is to become a family yeah and it is but but we did decide to do it and um yeah so we got approved as adopters and um early permanence fostering to adopt as well what was the um, approval
0: what was the approval panel like what what um what was that sort of process like
1: oh my goodness I was so nervous I was so (laughs) nervous my husband wasn't he was really cool because his job kind of involves talking to he he yeah he's in education so he has a lot to do with you know big people on panels and stuff so he (laughs) he's really good at talking and I over talk as you might know. <laughs> um, and so I was I was really nervous because I just thought, oh my God, these people are going to be like making big decisions on us and judging us. Um, and we went in and there was a room of eight people. Wow. All had a link to adoption in some way or another. Um, and they were lovely. They were really, really nice. And I, I really enjoyed it. <laughs> I just really enjoyed it. It was just a really nice chat and they did ask loads of questions um lots of questions they ask about all sorts of things um but it just it wasn't really pressured it was actually they wanted you to do well you know they weren't there to trick you or to make you stumble or to test you in any like horrible way it was all very um relaxed and you know, your social worker's go going with you. So if you get a bit stuck or there's questions, they can kind of pipe in and help a little bit, but they didn't need to. It just flowed really nicely. And um, you go out and then they have a little chat and you go into a little room. And then um, the the chair of the panel came in and he just said it was a unanimous decision. Absolutely you been approved. So yeah, that was an amazing, yeah, amazing day. Um, and then the wait begins for hearing if you're you know being matched at all um and what's that like oh god I think (laughs) that was the hardest bit I can honestly say that was I felt like a lifetime even though it really wasn't it was only like three months um but oh you're just you're just wishing and hoping and just thinking oh god there's a there might be a child out there like you know you just they're, they're out there they're probably out there now um and so we decided straight after a panel we went and visited my brother in New York which was brilliant because nice. it was just something great to go and do we'd yeah. you know been on that journey for you know however many months and it was just amazing to go and see him see my little niece who was three at the time and we just had a blast and I remember a friend seeing a photo of me and my husband out um, in Times Square. And she said, Rachel, you just look so happy. And I was like, I am. I'm just really happy. And I, it struck me that I'm really happy at the moment. I actually do feel really content and happy because I'd really been able to sort of move my life to a place where I never thought I'd ever get to. Um, and I was I was there And the best was yet to come So Yeah We went to New York Came back And then it gets to the point Where people are starting to say Any news
0: Any oh, news yeah. And you're like Oh, oh god, god. Oh, wait,
1: Do you, you keep in touch With anything?
0: your um, Do you keep in touch With your social worker Throughout the time We you um, wait for a call Yeah Oh god yeah She heard from
1: me all the time Bless her <laughs> I was <laughs> I was always like Any news Any news um, And a couple of Neil Nears came to light um, there was a couple that you know she did tell us about don't get your hopes up um, but there's going to be a meeting about xyz and they just weren't quite for whatever reason they just weren't right for us yeah um, and that was hard to take yeah. that was really hard but again you can't think you can't take anything personally it's not about you it's about the child um and then literally we got a call and it was well it was I always had a feeling if it was going to happen it was going to be quick um I just had that feeling and I always used to say to Nick I think they know I think they know (laughs) 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 that there's a child that that I think they know and it's going to be quick I just think they're I just just have that feeling and he's I think you're thinking too much into it. And it did happen very quickly. So I was right.
0: <laughs> I have to be honest, I um I read this book, uh, a bit part of your story, um, when I was sitting by the pool watching my son have his swimming lesson, reading Elle's book, and I was crying, crying my eyes out It it's part of your story. Yeah. So I've tried nasty. my best to hold it together now, so off you go. <laughs>
1: Um, so we got a call um, to say a big meeting's happening. Um, there's a possible match for you. Um, and I was like, oh. <laughs> and looking back, it's always going to be a good story to tell because um, my best friend that's been through this whole journey with me, um, we had booked to go to Spice Girls. <laughs> and um, I was like, oh, shut up. The first thing I said was, Shall I not go and see the Spice Girls? <laughs> and I remember our social worker saying, "No, go and see the Spice Girls. Girl. Go and enjoy the Spice Girls." Because we were going away for like a night to go and see the Spice Girls, and um, and I remember her saying, "I'll give you a call tomorrow, and I'll let you know what you know what the decision is." And um, oh God, how did you so, like? Uh, and,
0: oh, focus. I well, right, I mean, you need a lot of focus for the Spice Girls, but oh,
1: I know, I know, right. <laughs> So we were driving, um, it was like a three and a half hour journey we were on and my poor friend driving, I was a nightmare because I was like, she said she'd ring by 12, it's now one minute past 12. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't hear from her till like five in the evening. Oh no, that's ridiculous. Like, I've been waiting for you to all day. And she said, oh, it's just been a really manic day. I'm just going to keep this short and sweet. You've been matched. <gasps> and I was like... Just like that. <gasps> just like that oh, and my friend we were in the little hotel room in the travel lodge and my friend was in the background and she was like <laughs> crying <laughs> and um and anyway I was like oh my god okay okay what do I need to do what do I need to do and she's like right well you need to meet child social worker tomorrow um but this is probably going to happen really quickly and I was like okay what time tomorrow and she's like 9am <laughs> I was like you told me I could see the Spice Girls and I'm three and a half hours away. And so my friend's like, it's fine, we'll leave four in the morning. We'll leave at four in the morning. So, we so you, the Spice you saw the Spice Girls, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we went and saw the Spice Girls. I hope they're listening. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and we had a great night um, and came home. I don't think I really slept. Um, oh, no. And then we got on the road at four in the morning. She drove us home met the social worker Hold and on. she so was
0: like do you had to call nick like from the travel
1: lodge yeah oh yes so yeah i told him obviously <laughs> so, he's not that so yeah rang nick and he was driving home from work Ooh. and um i just said park up so he parked up and um i told him and yeah we both really wept oh, it was just awesome. it was an absolute moment which i kind of it was just so typical that we weren't together oh, yeah. really um but, yeah, it was just the most amazing moment. And um, so I we drove back home and we met our daughter's social worker. And actually, it was a really, um, it was a bit of a strange one because she was a lovely, again, really, really lovely social worker. Um, but she was quite emotional because she just kept saying, now that I've met you in real life the match is just Aww. it's just perfect the match is just perfect and um but for us that was a bit it was hard to understand her emotions because obviously like she knew she knew the child and we we didn't yeah and she just said but this is going to be a really quick turnaround um as in like tomorrow and I was oh. like oh okay <laughs> And um, I was like, okay, yeah, that's fine. And she <laughs> was like, you know, do you think you can get kind of everything together in time? And we were like, no, yeah, we will. We'll do it. It's fine. And we were really calm about it. And yeah, it was literally half a day we had. So wow. by midday, they'd left. And we literally had the rest of that day to kind of get the bare essentials. How old are you- was she when you... She was three months.
0: Three months.
1: Three months. Three yeah, months, like, three months old. All the cots and the prams and yeah. The- so we had nothing <laughs> because I I always um I never wanted to get anything. So I never wanted to tempt fate because I never truly believed it was going to happen until it really happened and there was a child with us. And so I never wanted to do the whole like. And also when you're on that journey, you don't know what age you're going to get. Yeah, so you don't really want to buy like a lot of things that aren't age appropriate. Um, so yeah, that's when you know you've got an amazing network of people around you because literally... Everyone rallied round. It was amazing. amazing. So how
0: did it go? Um, did you make one phone call and someone made another phone call? Or was it like a... a yeah,
1: so it was basically. a bit like that. First, we ran our parents. Um, and they were just obviously completely, oh, just elated. It was just the most amazing. It was the most amazing time. And um, they were like, right, okay, if you need any help, just let us know what you need. Um, and... So we called upon our friends that we knew had children and they were like, right, we'll go in the loft, we'll get everything out, it's fine. Mm. Um, and we've got loads of stuff lent to us and um, friends were turning up with their spare bits and bobs of everything Um, went to Sainsbury's and bought all the bare essentials of clothing, nappies, good old you name Sainsbury's. it, we, we got old... it. Yeah, good old Sainsbury's. And I tell you what, we got nearly everything from there. You don't need much. Um and then we went to mother care because we knew we knew we needed to get like a travel system of some sort. And um Oh, good old mother care. They were absolutely amazing. We told them what happened and they were like, right, you can borrow our displays until oh, um, your new ones are right. Oh, they were amazing. They were absolutely amazing. So we had a car seat. Um, yeah, they were absolutely wonderful. I was, really, I was really sad when they shut down because they really were like but they're still opening to buy if that's helpful oh are they oh we <laughs> glad
0: to hear it <laughs>
1: just about <laughs> oh they were amazing they were such lovely staff in there that helped us um and yeah that evening um a set of our friends had a had um, a daughter the same age she's two two weeks older than what our daughter is and they bought her and they bought this like hamper of all the essentials of the things that they thought we might need and um, I remember holding their daughter in my arms and it really really struck me that oh my goodness this is the same age as what we're getting like she's such a baby and I was just kind of I think that's when it kind of hit me that it was actually really happening, and um, they dropped everything off. Off they went, and then I was like, "Well, we need to have a really good clean, so we can really clean in the house." And <laughs> I was washing baby grows, and our neighbours. I, I saw one of our neighbours sort of peering over as if to say, "Why has she got loads of baby grows on the line?" And It wasn't until two days after our daughter had arrived with us. Um, that I said, do you want to come inside a minute? And she was asleep and um, she was like, oh my goodness, I knew something was going on. um, Yeah, it was lovely. It was just so nice, like the most amazing community of people really around us. And so, yeah, the next day came and I got the phone call to say, right, we're on our way, everything's fine. And that like 40 minute wait felt like, Oh, my goodness. Longer than the whole (laughs) six years we'd been waiting and pacing up and down the house. And um, I saw her pull up in the car and out she got this tiny baby. And she's she's diddy for her age anyway, but she was she was so diddy and. She just, yeah, I just opened the door, and she just said, "Here's your new mummy and daddy," and yeah, she just handed handed her over, and just that moment, in an instant, it was the most, oh, just yeah, just the most incredible gush of emotion that is just, well, there's no words to describe it. It was just the most amazing moment of my life and I just remember looking at her little face and I just remember feeling like she was really wise like there's something about her that just I don't know she's just and she still continues to be that little face that I saw and in an instant there was just oh it was just love and everything that I'd hoped plus more. And I just never knew there was a love like it. I knew I could love a child. I knew that that love was within me to give, but I never knew it was as powerful and as strong as it is. Um, and that it just grows and gets more powerful and more, uh, Just it's just a force to be reckoned with, isn't it? And it just was the most incredible moment and I can honestly say that has just stayed that that feeling and that gush of love and that moment of just feeling like oh my goodness this is what dreams are made of um I still find myself every day feeling that I'm feeling so grateful and thankful that we have her and it just all made sense in an instant I looked at her and I just thought this is why we had to go through everything that we've gone through this little person is exactly everything that we've longed for and hoped for and every bit of grief every bit of heartache it was leading us to her and she is everything and more than I could have ever dreamt of and it just it just all made sense because the stars aligned it just literally was the most amazing moment and I just I just yeah I just I, I am in awe of her a lot because I feel like we were a really good team right from the get-go because we had no handover we had no, no. team given to us we we didn't know what I literally didn't know the first thing about anything, to be honest. And I remember the social worker saying, oh, I think she probably needs a bottle. Do you want to make her a bottle? And I was like, I don't know how. (laughs) I think she didn't make formula. I didn't know what I was doing. And um, so she said, oh God, it's been years since I've done it. We better do it together. And um, yeah, together we read the back of the tin. (laughs) And um, yeah, I just, yeah, just kind of, we were guided by her and it's, it's just um a lovely thing because you just I mean that night I, we, we joke say, about what, it now what was it
0: like when like everything oh you, you were on we were
1: so we were so clueless like literally <laughs> that <laughs> night we had her at 10 p.m in the lounge on the jungle gym because we were just like well, I don't know, what time did I go to bed we didn't, really know. we didn't know her routine so she was there like playing away on the jungle gym at 10pm and I was like I think probably we need to put her to bed <laughs> because we just didn't know we just didn't really know what we were doing and we quickly got a little routine together and we were just really guided by her and yeah that, that night was the most wow just bizarre having this next to me crib <laughs> connected to my side of the bed with this little like naughty piggy noise thing next to me like she was the noisiest sleeper um and I just yeah I think I slept with one eye one eye open for weeks because I just could not believe this little thing was like next to me and I remember waking up to her and I've got a video of it um and she was all smiles just looking at me really content really happy there was never um like a transition period where she struggled. Yeah. Um it she it was literally like she knew she was home. Um and within half an hour of her arriving, she was smiling and cooing and you know, we were all like making the biggest fuss ever. (laughs) But it just literally felt like within within hours, it was just like, yeah, we're we're a family now. Like this is this is our unit, this is this is how it's meant to be, this is what we've been waiting for. But I honestly felt like she just knew that we were hers. Um And yeah, I woke up that next morning and it was 5.30 and I was just saying, you were such a good girl, weren't you? Because she slept all the way through. There was no, no trauma. It was all just really lovely. And she was just all happy and smiley and just, yeah, it was just the most amazing experience. And then it just continued to be that way really. And yeah, there's never been any issues with kind of settling her or feeling like she's unsettled in any way because you know, she had to move. Um, it just was really quite, it was done with ease. And we were really fortunate that our, our adoption journey was straightforward. For many, it's not. Um, and I'm truly grateful for that because it was very straightforward for us. Um, and then you go to matching panel um, and then once you become a proper match because um, in this first instance we were fostering to adopt and then you have to go so it's still that yeah. unknown phase and that there's slight worry and apprehension behind it all um, and then you go to matching panel and we were approved as her match um which is is lovely because it's time period for that how long um so they have to be with you for 10 weeks before you can become um approved as 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 the official adopters so for 10 weeks you're kind of in that limbo phase um but i never really i did worry a bit but you just have to be completely focused on making sure that everything is about that child and you can't you have to just take it day by day and you just have to keep thinking this is a, this is about her start in life. It's, you know, we're giving her the best that we can and that hopefully this was, will all turn out fine. Um, and there were, there were harder days where I let the emotion of it all because it's a very bittersweet journey in a way because your gain and your love someone else is also lost and that never ever leaves me that is something that I will always be grateful for that someone gave life to this amazing child that I will always be completely eternally grateful for because they for whatever reason haven't been able to do you know the job of being a parent and that i i found that bit quite hard because my love for that child was so immense that i felt sad that someone else wasn't getting that yeah understand. and that 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 was quite hard that that really was a hard part for me um and still is sometimes. Um, always on like special occasions because you know that that person's probably yeah thinking of yeah. them you know so that's that's a, a quite hard part of adoption um but yeah it's just been the best experience our, of, our, of our lives and I really honestly couldn't have wished for it to be any better
0: how old is she now
1: she's two two yeah she's two
0: do you think you'll talk to her about um, about her journey?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and we have started to sort of um, read books about how babies come from different places and that they're you know born from different people that aren't necessarily your mummy and daddy, um, and that some are born from science with a bit of help, um, and you know it's just about planting the little seeds that that's okay. And that's normal. Um, and then when you first have your adopted child, you help, um, to build a life book for them. So that life book is all about her start into her life, um, and then how she came to be adopted. So that's kind of a guide when it's the right time, and she's at the right age to kind of understand and comprehend that a bit more. Um, that will be the next part. But we've always said it will always be a really normal thing in our house to talk about it. It will never be this grand reveal. It will never be um like something that's not comfortable. We're not comfortable to talk about. We always want to be really open about it. Um, and if she ever wants to learn more or or, um investigate a bit more when she's older we want to do it as a family we don't want her to feel like she can't talk to us about that and you know feel like oh I don't want to upset my mum or my dad um because we're a team and we always want to be a team so yeah that's something that is really important to us because she's um she's very switched on and (laughs) <laughs> they're more switched on than you think they are and I think there, come, there comes a point where you're thinking oh it's now the time should we start talking about these things you know like and we've both been talking about it recently and saying I think maybe we need to start touching upon the subject that you know babies come from different places and so we have started that now because um she she's at an age where she gets she's starting to sort of get that a little bit so there's some amazing storybooks out there that you can get that kind of do it in storytelling form so we're just kind of at that process at the moment but yeah we'll, we'll always be really open and honest because I think that's really important for her growing up yeah
0: and it's her story yeah
1: absolutely yeah
0: Amazing. Thank you, Rachel, so much for talking to you today. Oh, thank you and, so um, much for telling us your amazing, amazing story. Um, I finished the podcast with three questions. The first being, if yeah. you have
1: coffee with any other woman, um who would it be and why? Um it would be my granny. Um my granny always knew um our struggles and she would always say, I'm hoping and I'm praying and yeah. She would, oh yeah, she was just such a lovely lady. And I was always very close to my granny. And I would have loved to have seen, I would have loved her to have seen me as a mum and have that final part to my journey. Um, and we often say, oh, she'd love her, wouldn't she? She would absolutely love her. <laughs> um, and weirdly, sometimes we say, she looks a bit like granny, don't she? <laughs> it's really odd really odd that the match honestly was just so perfect Um, so it would be my granny it definitely would be her because I would just love to have that one last chat and let her meet her and for her to see that it all turned out well absolutely
0: and since becoming a mum is there anything you found yourself saying that your mum used to say to you
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, I feel like I'm morphing into my mum, really. <laughs> Sometimes I, my, I mean, I've, there's been moments when I've been with mum and dad's wrong mum's phone and I've answered it and he thinks it's mum. Oh, well, there <laughs> you like, go. Oh, it's you, Rachel. <laughs> and how, how um, does Nick feel
0: about this process? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> you might need to ask him. <laughs> um, so there are lots of, things i guess that i do and don't realize um but i guess the main thing is i tell our little girl every day i love her which is what i had as a child growing up and also i think it's that thing of like traditions as well so like christmas traditions this year was really cool because i got to do all the things that like my mum and dad did for us when we were little and easter this year we did the easter egg hunt and so all those new traditions are coming out but i think the main thing is is that oh yeah just tell her every day i love her and then you know i want to carry that on because my mum still does that now so yeah it's, it's i guess that's the base it's a basic isn't it but it's
0: an important thing
1: absolutely
0: and um considering your journey to date and is there one piece of advice or like mum hack that you could share with us
1: I think probably it would be two things one your journey is leading you somewhere and you will get there and just never never give up that hope that you've got in your heart because it might not be the most conventional way that you're going to get your end result and become a mum or a dad. Um, But just believe it will happen because you are on a path and it is leading you somewhere and you eventually will get there. Um, And then the other bit of advice I'd give is that please don't think you need all those bare essentials (laughs) (laughs) that you think you need because we're living proof that you definitely don't need it. You just need a couple of items and you'll be fine. Um, and that's probably a big thing that we learn is that you think you're going to have to go out and get all these, you know, all, no. the, all these big things that everyone says you're going to need and actually you don't need any of it. So just enjoy having having your child and not actually needing all the paraphernalia that you think you're going to need. 100%. I'm a big a
0: big fan of that advice. I think the marketing companies have an awful lot to answer for. Oh, they do. They definitely do. <laughs> and um, and how can people find you if they want to follow you?
1: Um, so I have a page, um, an Instagram page, and it's called Our Lions Pride. Um, and that's Lions, L-Y-O-N-S. Um, and, yeah, it's a fairly new page, um, which I set up after writing in Elle's book, Um and was just overwhelmed really by the love and support that I've had with this amazing community so um yeah I I don't upload a great deal because I keep sort of um our daughter's identity private um but yeah if anyone wants to kind of ask questions or anything then I'm always open and honest um and yeah that's where you can find me thank you
0: thank you very much for sharing your story and um and thanks for having me to speak to me today thanks for having me you're very welcome have a wonderful Bye. rest of the day as always a huge thank you to rachel for speaking with me today a part of rachel's story that i'm so pleased she shared is that she and nick made their own journeys in their own time to conclude that adoption was the right path for them If you're new to the podcast, just to say that you can find other incredible stories of adoption in episode four with Leonie Pitts and episode 19 with Not a Fictional Mum. Have a wonderful week and I'll be back again on Thursday with another incredible story to celebrate that there is no normal in this unique journey called motherhood.